0: hi everybody to our continued subject of frustration with our illnesses whether that be a toothache a heart problem uh, to a chronic illness to a splinter in your thumb <laughs> actually yeah that can be quite painful or worse still a paper cut Ugh. okay so let's get started I know I looked at an awful lot of it last week and I said I'd give you a few tips this week. just want to go through a couple of things with you. I think the last part I did of the last week's podcast was to give you some ideas on what to do. But something struck me during the week and it was a question that came up many, many times before but I don't think I've ever actually covered it. When we talk about we have to cope with our illness, what exactly does coping mean? What is coping about? Especially if it's a chronic illness that can't heal, or it's a terminal illness that you can't heal it, you have to learn to cope. So what is coping? I asked a couple of people during the week when I realised this, I asked them what coping meant to them. And one of the things that I actually realised is nobody knows what coping means. Some people think it's about letting go. Some people think it's about forgetting, you know. I'm not so sure that they're the answers. Maybe for some people it is. But here's what I think. Coping, I suppose, is defined best as a problem-solving behaviour that is intended to bring about relief, reward or equilibrium in a person's life. In most ordinary everyday language, the term coping well, we have a tendency to use it only around the outcome of managing a problem. And it can overlook the in-between bits, the, the, the process of looking at it, analysing it, then the performance, the correction, and then the aftermath. Coping is not as simple as a judgment about some difficult experience we're having. It actually is a very extensive process of... Self-exploration, self-learning or instruction, self-correction, self-rehearsal and self-guidance. But it's gathered from external sources. And for some of us, coping with an illness and and the conditions of that illness cannot help but be an inescapable part of our life. It's not like you can walk away from it. Whereas everyday ordinary illness like, you know, paper cut, toothache, Eventually, it will go away. But there are people who are in pain every single day, but you may not know it because they may hide it really well. So how are they hiding it? And are they coping with it? Now, coping will depend on the nature of the problem, naturally. But as we're talking about, um, you know, illness, it's going to be mental, it's going to be emotional, it's going to be physical, and it's going to be social. It's all of these, not just a piece of them. If you get a paper cut, and yes, I know how painful a paper cut is, you stick a bandage on it, you're in pain for a couple of hours, and you might be irritated over the next couple of days, but inevitably it will go away, and then you'll forget about it. With chronic illness, or long-term illness, or long-term pain, it's not as easy to put a band-aid on it and say, oh, yay, it'll go away in a few days. Take a couple of tablets and it'll be fine. Sorry, doesn't work that way. Now, it doesn't mean that those with paper cuts or a broken leg or a broken arm doesn't have to learn to cope. Of course they do. Absolutely. And that's what this is all about. It's about how do I cope? How do I learn to live with either? Something that's going to affect me for a couple of weeks or something that's going to affect me for the rest of my life. But you can put coping mechanisms in place to deal with any type of illness. But you have to know that you're doing it. Otherwise, what's the point? You learn nothing. And the pain will continue because you won't learn how to deal with it or how to change things to make it feel better. There are only a few people who can cope really, really well all of the time. However, for most of us, sickness will impose a greater social burden and personal burden. And both of these will include the possibility or threat of judgment, either from other people or from ourselves. So how do these people cope? What are the good copers? Well, they can be optimistic about mastering problems despite setbacks. And they can generally have a high level of morale. They tend to be practical and empathise with problems, issues and obstacles or boundaries that must be conquered before even attempting or remotely dealing or looking for a solution. They select from probably a lot of strategies and tactics that they hold within themselves and their idea, I suppose, is not to be at a loss and have something to fall back on. In other words, they can be resourceful. They will also listen to various possible outcomes and coping mechanisms and they'll be aware of the consequences if they do or they don't heed these pieces of information. There are also people who are generally flexible and can be open to suggestions or feedback but they won't give away their power to have the final say in any decision to be made. They are also very vigilant and composed in avoiding emotional extremes or triggers that would impair their judgment. Now, we can all have those at different times, but not all the time at the same time. So, if they're the good copers, who are the bad copers or who copes less effectively? Now, this doesn't mean that they're bad people or even ineffective people. In fact, it would be too simple to say that and it would be unfair. The bad copers have the opposite characteristics to the good copers. For example, they will have a tendency to be excessive in their self-expectation. They will be rigid in their outlook. They will not be flexible in standards. And they will not be willing to compromise or to ask for help. Their opinion on how people should behave will be absolute and very narrow-minded and narrow-visioned. They don't allow room for tolerance. And although they will be prone to an adherence of preconceptions, they may absolutely show unexpected compliance. They may be more susceptible to suggestions. They may have a tendency to be excessively in denial or elaborative in their rationalisation. And because they will actually have difficulty with this, they will have a tendency to be more passive than usual. And they certainly won't initiate action to help themselves this rigidity occasionally will fall and they will subject themselves to impulsive judgments or behavior that fails to be effective for their own internal and physical self. Oh, in case I forget it, I have to remind everybody that if you're dealing with a personal illness, whether it be chronic or otherwise, remember the people around you also will need support, especially if it's a chronic illness of a loved one or a terminal illness or whatever it is. Remember that it's not just you that is affected. We also know that poor health can impact so many different areas of our life, actually all of them, from daily routines to long-term caring. There are times when this ill health is temporary and there are other times where you have to change your whole life. Either way, adjusting yourself to your illness can be extremely stressful so what can you do about it well let me tell you that there is no perfect ideal diet or exercise that will cure your disease however it is possible to maintain what health you do have with certain choices that you make with regards to exercise and diet Maybe replace old habits with new ones suited to the abilities that you have now. For example, if you cannot run anymore, you may be able to do what they call low-impact exercises like swimming or yoga or tai chi. If you're stuck in bed, if you're isolated in bed, maybe do gentle stretches in the bed. Any physical movement can help you maintain the strength that you have and give you more motivation to keep going but emotional self-care is also extremely important you may need to reduce any responsibilities that you have at work or at home to be able to focus on your recovery so try to find a hobby or an activity that brings you a bit of joy maybe a bit of laughter maybe it's even just talking to friends or family or simply sitting out in the garden these type of activities will help you to keep your mood up and maintain hope doesn't matter how dark an illness will bring us to there must be ways of finding hope and happiness somewhere and we ourselves are the only ones who can create that other people can maintain it for us once we start it but we have to start it and here's the thing if you have a loved one who is ill you may ask yourself how can I help how can I best help them it's important to understand and remember that each person is different What feels loving and helpful to you may feel smothering or judgmental to the other person. So here's what you want to avoid. Don't use the ill or injured person as an outlet for your emotions. Don't vent at them about how hard it is to support them or how scared you are. Do not tell the person that is ill stories about other people with similar ailments. One, it won't make them feel any better. And two, it's certainly more likely to increase a person's fear don't tell others about this person's condition without their permission everybody has a right to privacy do not assume that because somebody is ill they are unable to make their own decisions do not coerce or force any treatment or guilt for not taking treatment onto a person here's the strategies that might actually help do listen to what they have to say do ask what they need and try to find a way to address that need. Do offer practical support. Do tell the person how much you love them and how much you want to help. Try and sometimes we can turn these things to ourselves when if we have an illness. Do I listen to myself? Do I ask myself what I need? Do I offer myself practical support? Do I tell myself how much I love me? Seriously, How often do we turn what we want from other people towards ourselves? Because remember, how we treat ourselves and others says more about us than it does the other person with the illness, or even ourselves with the illness. Always check with yourself why you're doing something or why you feel something, especially when it's around illness. Don't be afraid to ask. So if I was to summarise all of this, all these tips, how many would I put down? I'm going to choose six. Number one, choose the support that's right for you. Number two, don't let worries about being a burden keep you from reaching out. Three, look for the support from friends and families and loved ones who are good for you not those who are a pain in the ass. Four, make FaceTime a priority. In other words, talk to people, not screens, unless they're in another country, of course. Five, join a support group. Six, seek out a program that has peer support. Remember, no matter whether you have an illness or you know somebody with an illness, the only person that has to deal with this illness is the person that has it. Everybody else should be in support. And if I was going to be facetious but serious at the same time, anyone with an illness has the responsibility to look after themselves with that illness. Anybody who is looking after somebody with an illness, leave them with their power to decide what they feel is right for them, regardless of what you feel about their decision. And people will argue with that, and or they will agree with it and say, "Oh yeah, I can do that, no problem." Until it comes to somebody you love who wants to refuse treatment, then what do you do? You must leave them their power to decide for themselves. Of course, that is unless they're incapable of making that decision, but that would be for a doctor to decide not you. So remember, have sympathy, have compassion, have empathy for the person who has the illness or a illness, and that includes yourself, whether it's an earache, a splinter, or a time-sensitive illness. Please go gently. Stay safe. Stay well. Namaste.